So what will your life be like when you're in your 70s or 80s? Will you be working, traveling, maybe playing with the grandkids? Will you be physically and mentally able to do any of those things? Well, thanks to modern medicine, lifespans are increasing. However, it seems health spans are decreasing. Will your later years be spent in bed, unable to do much of anything? Well, let's hope not. What steps can you actually take now to ensure you're as healthy at 70 as you were at 30? This is the Next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith. Let's ask one of the fittest guys I know of any age, Todd Isbrenner. He's 73 years young and stronger than the vast majority of 40-year-olds. Todd, tell us, what's the secret? Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, that makes me feel really like in my mid-30s right there when you just described me. I mean, I am all over that. Yeah. Yeah, I do have fun once in a while when people guess my age and they come up 20 years short. <laughs> I don't mind that. I think the beginning secret is simply this. Who did God make you to be? And I don't mean that to sound too pie in the sky, but you have to start there. I believe so strongly that when God fashioned you as this finite, creative little creature human, (laughs) he had some wonderful things in mind for you. He had a plan and a purpose, and you get the awesome privilege of finding out what that is and then living that out. But a frustration can begin to develop, Paul when we don't feel like we've got the strength or the stamina or the health to do the things we think we should do and want to do. And that can be a huge motivator, in my opinion, for taking your physical fitness and your health really seriously. Okay. But you weren't always like this. So what flipped the switch for you? Like, when did you decide that you're really going to work on your fitness and continue to be As strong as you are, when most people are like, well, you know, I'm too old to work out or I'm too old to do this. I've never heard you utter those words. No, you didn't. And you never will. I'll never say those words because I'll never believe that. Honestly, this is going to maybe surprise you a little bit. I didn't really get started until I was about 45 years old. And now I had the luxury and the giftedness of an incredibly fast metabolism and just a lot of built-in good health stuff from the gene pool. So I could eat anything, and I will be the first to say I ate so much crap for so long. I mean, I loved Wendy's burgers and McDonald's and the fries and the Big Macs and, and all that stuff. But I never had an obesity problem because I just... If anything, I was a hard gainer. So I could eat and I could eat sugar products and people hated me. I mean, it just hated me because I could eat anything. and I never gained any weight. But when I was 45, my brother came into the scene, starting to do a little bit of lifting, weightlifting. And we came across this contest called Body for Life. And you could give the before and after pictures, and it was a 12-week program, and they were going to award you with a million dollars if you wanted. Well, I didn't think I was going to win it, but I thought, well, my brother's going to enter it. I think I want to enter it, and let's just see how far we can go. And that actually got me started. It was a great 12-week program of strength training. You lifted four days a week. You did a little bit of cardio. You ate certain meals. And I thought, this is pretty cool. I started to feel better because I was getting stronger and dang, I was looking good. So that really, that got me started. And when I realized the additional benefits from not just feeling strong, looking good, but actually having greater stamina and more energy to be able to carry on life's works and missions and stuff, that kept me very, very motivated. And so since then, I've just continued to accelerate. I try 
anything and everything in the world of fitness. And I love it. That's so encouraging for those of us that are in our 40s. It's not too late <laughs> to start now because that's where you did. And I recently saw a picture you shared with me, kind of in a pyramid with other shirtless guys who are, who are stacked and you're about twice their age. Tell us a little bit about that competition and how you competed with these guys in their 30s and 40s. Yeah, well, I'll start by saying the number one problem we all have as cushy little Americans is life is so doggone soft. We are getting so soft. Like throw a guy out in the woods and tell him to, you know, chop down trees. He won't know what to do. He won't understand it. <laughs> We're just so soft. We want extra soft beds and extra soft this and that. And I don't like it when I'm getting soft because I know I'm softer than I could be. So I have to push myself to do hard things. And that means I've got to make myself uncomfortable. But I've learned that the payoff for being uncomfortable is really, really good. So I don't mind that. So there was an opportunity that came up with a group called King's Council, and they do these occasional upgrade your human events <laughs> where it's a full day of physical challenges. And I signed up for this, and I'll be honest with you, it was a two-day deal. The first day is physical. The second day is like masterminding. And I thought, you know, my age and all this, I'm just going to go to the second day. <laughs> and then I thought, no, you soft weenie, get with the program. You are going to go make it tough on yourself and see how you can do. So I got down there in the morning, had no idea what to expect. And they started explaining what the challenge was going to be because none of us knew. We're by a lake, we're by a hill. And they said, we're going to break you up into teams. There'll be five guys in your team and you're going to compete with the other teams for first place. And here's what you have to do. You have to do four different cycles of swimming, boating, running, and figuring out a puzzle and some push-ups thrown in there as well. So I'm thinking, okay, this can't be that tough until I looked at my team. Paul, I'm not kidding me. I just thought, okay, should I tell these guys? These guys are obviously incredibly fit. Look at all their, I mean, look at their muscles and their six-pack abs. And I mean, I have my share, but nothing like that. <laughs> and these guys are, they're raring to go. And I'm realizing these guys in their 30s, I think the oldest guy is 40. I'm twice as old as these guys. All right, well, let's just do this. So we start out, we have to swim. Then we've got a boat for a while. We've got to paddle. We've got to go about a quarter mile, turn around, come back. Then we've got to run for about a quarter mile. Then we have to climb this unbelievably steep hill, carrying this raft the entire time, come back down the hill, set the raft down, do some push-ups, sit down and try to work out a mental puzzle and then run back to the water and go repeat the thing four times. Now, listen, on the second go around, I'm thinking, how would I politely somehow, how can I pull out of this thing? I'm not going to make it. My heart's beating through my chest. And I just kept driving myself saying, you can do this. You can do this. Just take the next step. So that's what happened for four of those cycles. And amazingly, we came from about fifth place to second place. And I'm thinking, yeah, second place is good. And at the very last minute, we were able to beat the other team. We came in first place and we were just blown away. And I'm telling you, I was so grateful, grateful that God kept me alive and grateful for these guys. And then I said, hey guys, man, I, I love to work with you guys. I'm just so grateful I got to be in your team. And I, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I'm probably twice as old as some of you guys. What? How old are you? <laughs> well, at the time, I said, I'm 71. What? <laughs> 71? Are you crazy? So I was so grateful that I could keep up with them. And I realized a lot of it, a lot of it is mental discipline, Paul. Physical is part of it, but you got to have the mental chutzpah to really push yourself that you can do this. Don't quit. Don't give up. Yeah, mindset is everything. And I appreciate the humbling you gave those guys who thought they were all that and then realized a guy their dad's age not only kept up with them, but led the pack. So that's incredible. 
We stayed good friends and we advise each other and they really, I mean, they're an inspiration. I'm an inspiration. We're a good team together. But I like that to be duplicated many times over with the people that I encounter because I do find that there are lots and lots of people who wish they were in better shape and wish they could take better care of themselves. It's one of the reasons why I wrote a whole section in my book about, about fitness with some very practical ways to go, how to go about this. The name of your book is What Every Man Needs to Know. So we got the first aspect, we need to be fit. So tell us, Todd, because I've lived my 41 years and now I have FOMO. What am I missing? What else do I need to know? (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, I have to back it up a little bit because it's the subtitle is how to master your faith and your family and your fitness and your finances. And I went in that order deliberately. I started with faith because I'm convinced, again, God had a reason why you're taking up space on planet Earth. You got to find out what that is. And once you do, I really believe it turbocharges you to do all things well in your life, including getting in good shape and staying physically fit. When God says that these bodies of ours are literally his temple, the place that his spirit wants to hang out in, I'm telling you, there are times where I'm making the wrong decisions about physical fitness, and I almost feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging me and saying, that's not the right thing, whether it's something I'm going to eat or a habit I'm getting into. So it really, honestly, it just, I don't want to make that, again, sound too superficial, pie in the sky, or unattainable. I mean, if God lives in you, we got to give him a good place to live in and pay attention to that. The other part of it is the actual definition of fitness, according to Oxford, is a condition of being physically fit and healthy. But here's the second part. It's the quality of being suitable to fulfill a particular role or task. And so when you go throughout your day, if you're not feeling suitable, is some of that because you're not physically fit? You're not taking good care of yourself. And as I mentioned, certainly the biggest part of that is the mental. And it starts by finding out exactly what are you made of? What do you really got that you're not completely capitalizing on? And so I'd start there with people that I work with or my own life. I said, like, Todd, what do you want? And when it gets down to the fitness area, I'm very specific of what I want, how much muscle I want to gain, how many burpees I want to do, how fast I ride my Carol Fit bike, what sort of records. I'm constantly challenged about how many pull-ups I want to do. So I break it down. And then after determine what specifically I want, here's the big, here's the big key that is so obvious it's stupid. It's like, well, why? Like, why do you want that? Why do you want to do 20 pull-ups with your legs straight out? Why do you want to do 100 push-ups? And if I just want to say, well, because I think I can make the cover of Muscle Magazine, (laughs) that's a a very shallow, very non-fulfilling reason. But if it's because I want to be everything God made to be, I want to have the stamina, the strength, I want to fulfill my godly purpose, I want to honor him, that's a whole different deal. You get a strong enough why, you will be motivated to get what you want. That's powerful. And I think sometimes this idea of a jock or a guy with big muscles, a meathead, and not very bright, which is not the case I've learned. You aren't just physically fit. Like you said, you know, it's about being mentally strong as well. I mean, a couple of years ago, you sold a company that you started and ran for 40 years. And that took some mental stamina. And you were an entrepreneur before it was cool. And How has that been like post selling off your baby, this company you created ran for 40 years. It doesn't sound like you're slowing down. So how was that experience for you? 
Well, yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I think that was a pivotal point in what I'm doing now. I had to make this decision. It was very comfortable having your own business and being plugged in and being recognized as an expert in the area of the world of fundraising. And so that was a real feel good. But I also knew that this needed to come to an end for me so I could spend more time working with guys, coaching guys, mentoring young men, again, to just put a real solid foundation on these four major areas of life. But they're never going to get there if you just keep running your business because I kind of thought I could do this on the side. No way. I had to pour myself into it. So talk about, yeah, the mental discipline it took. I had to wrestle often and for about a year to make sure I was willing to completely, totally let go or surrender, if you will. I've had a little ritual. Uh, I'll get down on my knees in the morning. Don't do this all the time, but I'll say, God, I just give you my whole day. I give you my life, my body, my work, my everything. You can have my company. And then (laughs) he stopped me. He he said, whose company? Did I say my company? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, your company. Yeah. So really that was a turning point, but I had to keep repeating that. It's never been mine. It was something God entrusted me with to do for his glory for a period of time. So because it was all his anyhow, I had the freedom to let it go and to move on. And that was a mental discipline. Like I say, I would wrestle back and forth with that for about a year until I finally came to that peaceful place of complete total let go. And, you know, it's been great. It really has. And it's also set me up for success. In other areas, it's given me the time. It's given me the ability now to continue to capitalize on other areas of expertise and share that with others. And you are walking the walk. And so I think we've covered the fitness. We've covered the faith aspect. You got to know who you are and you're a man with purpose. Let's talk about family for a minute. What does every man need to know with regard to their family? Well, first and foremost, every man is a son (laughs) because you had a dad and you had a mom. And that's the starting place in my book to recognize who you are as a son. And I realize there are lots of dysfunctional families, lots of broken families, lots of families with lots of pain. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this section, because in spite of all of those, what some would consider to be handicaps or bad circumstances, you can really shine as a phenomenal son, regardless of whether or not you had the beaver cleaver family with a perfect mom and dad, it does not matter. You as a son have been called by God to show honor to your father and honor to your mother. Now, that doesn't mean you honor the bad decisions they've made or you honor bad behaviors of theirs. You honor the position of who they are as your mom or as your dad. So I always start there, and I have worked for a number of years to show my parents honor. My dad passed a few years ago. We had a phenomenal relationship. Wasn't always that way, Paul. We had just a really tough time when I hit my teens. I mean, I even, I took a swing at my dad. That's the last time I ever thought about doing that. (laughs) We had, we had some rough goes of it, but I'm telling you later in life, he became a hugger. We loved each other. We just shared so much of life together in his older age. My mom is still living. She's 96 going on 97. I just came back from the weekend spending it with her just ministering to her and realizing when I went down there, I didn't really want to go down for the whole weekend. And here's what I believe I heard Jesus say. I want you to go down there a day early and I want you to take care of mom as though you're ministering to me. Ah, 
Wow. Okay, Lord. Yeah. We had a great weekend. I mean, I had that tucked in my head. So you can treat your parents respectfully. Again, whether they were great parents or not good parents, just honor that position. And God says, if you'll do that based on his commandment, honor your father and your mother so that it will go well with you and you will live a long and prosperous life. So I'm all over that. I got an ulterior motive, Paul. <laughs> so far, so good. Long and prosperous life. Yes, it's yeah. all going well. That's a big, big part of it. The other part of family, and I won't go into all of this, but if you're a husband, how do you truly love unconditionally? How do you love like Jesus said he loved, and that is to give your life for your wife? Can you practically do that? I'm happily married. I'm glad when God reminds me of those opportunities, which generally come up at the most inopportune times. Like, <laughs> don't make me love her that way now. <laughs> you know. But man, there's some key principles that are not that difficult to put into place to get your life phenomenally happy with your wife. And then I'll touch on some things as a father as well. So our lives with family relationships should be the most fulfilling, rewarding relationships we have. If they're not, we can make them that way. Well, what's a simple step we can take that direction because the family relationships are some of the most challenging because they know you a little too well, right? And there's friction. So how do you love your wife well during those challenging times? And you're a dad, you've got a couple daughters. So same kind of thing. Like, what do you do to keep in the best possible relationship to master, as you say, your family relationships? Because family's complicated. They know you a little too well. Yeah, I'm not only a dad of two incredibly wonderful, beautiful daughters, but 12 grandchildren from those two daughters. (laughs) And so I have lots of of opportunity to keep spreading the love. I'm just so afraid when I say these things, it's going to sound like I'm over-spiritualizing, and I don't mean to do that. But if you'll treat every opportunity within your family that challenges you as a way of honoring God and reflecting goodness, His goodness, into the lives of others— then you've got a good, really good starting point. If that's your ultimate motive, God, I want to make you look good. I really, truly, I want to honor you. I owe everything to you. I would not be here without you. So how can I not treat my family members with love and respect and kindness and even unconditionally loving when they don't deserve it? I went through a marriage and a divorce, and it was extraordinarily painful. But in that marriage, I had to learn the true meaning of unconditional love, where you get nothing back, or at least it seems like you get nothing back, but you keep giving the love anyhow. Why? Because this is the way God would have it. And who's going to benefit from it? Not only the person you're unconditionally loving, whether that's a wife or a parent or a kid, but you're going to benefit immensely. You're going to grow so much deeper on the inside that no matter what comes throwing your way from people who are just, just major problems, you're going to be able to handle it because God is training you how to love without having to have anything come back to you. I don't mean over-spiritualized, but that's the starting point. No, that's who you are. And so you don't have to apologize for that. I love it because I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm in entrepreneurial circles. I read a lot of books on business. And I always wonder what kind of man are they at home? We know they're successful in business. And so I don't think it's a win as you get, you know, later in life, you look back and you've like you did, you had a successful business, you sold it. If your personal life is in shambles, if you don't have anybody 
And so I heard this said the other day and I love it. Are you working as much on your eulogy values as you are your resume, right? And so will people come to your funeral as opposed to, you know, are they just there because of what financial benefit you bring through your business? And that bears the question, like, <laughs> can you have it all, a healthy, loving, functional family, as well as a thriving business? I mean, how do you balance all of that? Because those aren't f- the four small areas when you talk about faith, family, finances, and fitness, you know, maybe two out of three, but how do you get all four? <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're not going to get all four. You're not going to score, you know, hundred percent on all four of them right away. It just takes time. And I'm constantly learning. You're never too old to learn something new and you're never too young to find a better way to do it. And I'm convinced that these four years of life are, they're pretty foundational. There's not a day that goes by where you're not hit by something in the, one of these four areas. And to the degree that you're willing to pay attention and make the effort to intentionally learn more, grow more, do more in each one of these areas, then the better chance you will have of actually becoming a model for others and successful in your life. And you mentioned, can you really have it all? If you don't have it all, it's probably one of two reasons. Either you really just don't want it and you don't care, or you just haven't worked hard enough to get it. Because God has made it so unbelievably easy in our day and age and in our time and in our place to get a whole lot more done than we think we can. It goes back to the why. Why do you want to get more done? Is it just for self-centered reasons? If that's the case, it's not going to go too far. But if it's because you're fulfilling a God-given purpose for the benefit of you and many others around you, you're going to get more and more excited when you see yourself having it all so that you can give it all. I mean, you can literally just share your wealth of knowledge and even your physical wealth with those in need. I don't think there's any greater joy than to know that your life is actually contributing to the betterment of somebody else's. Man, that is, you can ride that baby all day. (laughs) Well said. And so that's why I get the sense from you that you're not out on the golf course, (laughs) that you are continuing, you've got a podcast, a book, and you're releasing courses and you're a men's mentor. And many people in your position would be golfing or whatever their favorite hobby is. And so, because you're a man with a mission, you're not quitting anytime soon. No, no. And I'm kind of surprised me. Like I used to love to golf. I golf more when I was working like a crazy man than I do now. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Although I do, I will say this because my wife and I, Wendy and I both work really hard. And the thing is we enjoy our work, so we don't mind working hard. But this winter we took a little time. We will force ourselves to take a little time a couple times a week and just to kind of hunker down to do relaxing, fun things. We took a Pickleball, please don't hate me, but everybody's playing pickleball. And because Wendy and I, that's all the rage. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Wendy and I would play, you know, we were playing tennis and then just thought, all right, everybody's saying pickleball. So we played a little pickleball and oh God, it's a pretty fun game. I mean, you're not going to get a workout in it, but it's not a bad game. So we have to make these intentional decisions to also just measure out work and life, that work life balance thing everybody's heard about. But even at our age and our stage in life, and especially for me, I have to force myself to take time to do fun, relaxing things. I've got this health practitioner who I'm working with, and I told him, look, I really, you know, I don't feel like I'm as brain sharp as I used to be. I mean, I used to be able to just snap it off, you know? And I feel like I'm slipping a little bit. He said, all right, here's what you need to do. You work that inside your brain. You need to take up some kind of hobby where you're working with your hands, like whittling. I said, what? <laughs> whittling? Like they do in the rocking chairs in Kentucky on the front porch where they're whittling? <laughs> yep. 
Yep, he said that's right. So here's what I did. I did. I literally, I've taken up whittling. I've, I should show it to you. I've carved some little images. And what I found is that your brain really is working. It's really concentrated. First, you don't slice your hands to pieces. But what you're trying to get these little designs and stuff in this wood is very relaxing. And it's also at the same time, very intentional. And you're not thinking about anything else. So there are ways that both Wendy and I are forcing ourselves to make sure we're balancing this thing out. And again, we love work, the kind of work that we're doing. So that will likely not end for a very long time. And you mentioned your wife, Wendy, who's a previous guest on this podcast. So we'll put a link to that episode in the show notes there. She's a wellness coach. You're a men's mentor, the dream team there, the power team. So maybe we can get a two for one special going <laughs> for the, the couples listening to upgrade their human, as uh, yes, you say. Yes. Uh, well, Todd, this has been chock full of wisdom. I'm wondering if you could leave us with maybe one more piece of advice before we go. It's called the Next Simple Step Podcast. So somebody here is talking about getting fit or getting your finances in order, having a strong relationship with your family members. I'm all about leverage and like making one decision that helps me figure out multiple things. So maybe what's one simple step they can take to improve in multiple areas? Yeah, I well, I would say certainly you can improve in multiple areas at the same time. But let me just suggest that you take the greatest problem you have right now, the biggest pain point, the thing that's got you frustrated to no end, where you've pretty much given up. It's kind of like, I just don't think this is going to go anywhere. I've tried this and I've tried that. So then what do you end up doing? You sort of end up in denial, like, well, it just can't be fixed. So I want to just give you this one simple bit of advice. And that's this. First of all, just stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. You are not God. <laughs> God is God. And his ability to help you goes way beyond what your finite little imagination can imagine. So stop lying to yourself. There is a way out. There is something you can do. So identify that big pain point today. Stop the lie and say, okay, God is God. I can change this. With his help, I will change this. And then just pick out the one thing. It could be tiny, tiny little thing. One thing you're going to do today to begin to work on that one thing that you said, it's impossible, it'll never change. That's just not true. It can, it will. Get creative. Find one thing that you can do today to attack that bugger. And you know what? You stay on it day after day, and you will be shouting the victory later on. Whoa, well said. Progress, not perfection. There's the quote that pray as if it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on you. And I think you summarized that quite well there of an analogy of, well, you can sit and stew on it, or you can take that next simple action about the pain point that keeps coming back up. There is a way out, a pray for wisdom and definitely do your part in the process as well. So thank you, Todd, for that reminder. If someone wants to check out your book or your podcast or sign up for some coaching, what's the best place to find you? Just come on over to toddisburner.com. Toddisburner.com. I-S-B-E-R-N-E-R. Toddisburner.com. You get it all there. There you go. Well, thank you, Todd, for being here on the Next Simple Step podcast. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Next Simple Step podcast. 